difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. You got your problems. I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bow cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains over here. Yeah. You can stay over there. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Now, join me on the line. He's been here while he is fighting once again. He made his debut debut last year. Well, uh, looked very impressive. Now he wants to make two in a row over Adam Borks. And while he's promising to bring the heat and a whole lot more, I give you the pride and joy of Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. I give you its Extreme Couture Zone. I give you Jeremy uh, Kennedy. Uh, Jeremy, you, Adam Borix, it's a fight you've wanted. You've won big fights. Bellator's giving you big fights. Uh, how excited are you about fighting a guy who you know he's going to bring to pressure, and that means you can take advantage of it? Oh, I'm, I'm super excited about this fight, man. Like This is, uh, this is one of those fights that I wanted. Uh, he's established. You know, he fought in the Grand Prix. He's had lots of fights in the Bellator, and he's one of their uh, – they're better known 145ers. So I think there's no better way to uh, really elevate myself into the mix by, you know, a win over Borix. So what, what makes him so dangerous? Because, you know, he's, he's beaten some good guys. He's gotten in trouble, but he wins by sometimes pulling stuff out of that seems like thin air. Like when you sit down and break him down, why is he such a good, what makes him a, da- a dangerous fighter? Uh, just, just his diversity, you know, he's, He's not like one of these strikers who's just a heavy-handed puncher. You know, he's got good kicks. He's got good knees. He's, he likes to f- show that flying knee. You know, it, it, it's led him into some trouble as well in the wrestling department, but it also makes him dangerous in the wrestling department. You know, you got guys think twice. Um, you, you see exactly like that against Pico, and uh, all it takes is one, you know. So it's it, it it's just as dangerous you know he's he's versatile everywhere he's he's good everywhere and he comes from a really good camp so he's not somebody that you can you know take lightly when i know that you're looking at probably you know ways to figure him out i know he has a loss darian caldwell where he got out wrestled we're making show first run you know it was basically last year do you learn anything from that vote or is that one of those fights where you look and go I'm not daring Caldwell. My style is a lot different. I got to just be me and do my own thing. Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to, like, discredit, you know, Borks for that fight, that is one of those fights where could have happened to anybody. You know, he got caught taken down early. They were dry. They were sticky. And he got caught in a bad position early. You know, had he had got out of that, who knows how that fight would have played out. You know, it was so early on that I can't really be like, oh, well, he got, he got submitted in a minute. You know, it's... It's going to be a cakewalk. He's 16 and one for a reason. You know, he, he simply got caught in that, in that, but that shows that uh, there are holes, you know, this guy's not uh, this crazy guy. I got to be scared about everywhere. You know, he's, he's beatable, you know, just like everybody is. He's human. So um, I think there's levels in our grappling that is going to be a big difference in this fight, but um, the striking as well, you know, people are going to be, I'm going to open some eyes and that's why I like this fight so much. Because I think, uh, like I said, it's going to really open some eyes here in uh, the Bellator division. Take me to the last question on this before we move on. You mentioned that, you know, as I said, he's, he's, he's very dangerous with his striking. One, because he has power, but also he does a lot of different things, whether it's the flying knee, 
whether it's you know leg kicks, whether it's spinning kicks. How do you find a way to sort of take away one of those things so that he can't you know just decide? Well, I'm gonna faint the leg kick to the head and then you know you know hit you with you know instead with the legs or. I'm going to, you know, faint as I'm going to throw, you know, a right hook and I've been doing jumping knee. How do you take away one of those things to make him less dangerous? Um, I think it's just a little bit more of my style. Like, um, I'm not necessarily like, oh, I got to worry about him. I think in this fight, he's got a lot more to worry about. You know, I mean, he wants to start kicking. That's that's easy. Takedown city there, you know. Um, he wants to get into punching range again. That's that's grappling range as well. Um and I think he's kind of got one option and I've got a lot of, a, a lot of different avenues in this fight. Um, you start jumping at me in the air, you know, again, there's, you're leaving yourself. That's risk. That's risk taking, you know, and if he's willing to take those risks against a guy like me, all the power to him. I just think uh, he's, I, I look at his fight with Curran, you know, he had to be very methodical and very uh, technical on that fight because Curran is pretty a seasoned vet and probably, you know, Borg's best win um he he fights a lot of guys that he can dictate the range he's a lot taller than a lot of these guys and you know he hasn't fought a guy who's actually taller than him you know so he's not gonna be able to sit on this outside you know kickboxing range he's gonna be in my range so that's another thing he has to worry about you know I'm not a tall lanky striker I'm a tall lanky grappler wrestler you know so I'm a guy that can take him down smother him or I'm a guy that he's gonna have to try to figure out a way to get in on me and again, that again creates this grappling range. So he, he's going to have a lot more to worry about on uh, his in and out range. You know, if he wants to jump in with knees, he's going to try to stay on the outside. That's my range as well. I'm going to be tagging him. So I think he's going to be in a lot more trouble anywhere the fight goes from the feet to the floor. Take me back to your last fight. You, Jeremy, it was you versus Matt Bassett, Bellator 253, Bellator debut. And how surreal was it, though? I mean, you usually think, oh, I'm going to make my debut in a company. I'm going to be fans, got a lot of things going on. And because of COVID, it, it was weird. You know, you can hear your corners. There's nobody around. Fight week is basically a ghost town. What was that like, you know, getting ready for that fight, just having the whole thing be sort of, you know, smack dab during COVID winter season? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's it's all good by me. You know, I'm, if, if you know me on, on fight week, I'm kind of a ghost town kind of guy anyways, you know, I, uh, I'm not big on the, you know, shredding around like it's my fight week and all eyes on me. You know, I like to stick to myself, you know, focus on my weight cut, focus on my fight, stay with my team, my wife, and, and just kind of keep it low key. And that's, that's the recipe of this COVID situation. So it worked out well for me. Uh, the crowd again, it's a, uh, I feed off the crowd, but I also, it takes a lot of pressure off knowing it's just me and me and Borg's in there, you know, a couple of camera guys and that's it. So I can go with both, you know, and, and that just kind of was a trial run for this one. And this is going to be from the sounds of it, same venue, same arena, same situation, same protocols, same bubble, everything. So, I mean, I've already done this and we're going to do it again. Map is set. A tough guy, been around the block. It's fought all over the place here. Taking back to that fight, uh, what went right? Did anything go wrong? Or and were you happy with the performance considering everything that go on from the long layoff to you know being sidelined at times due to COVID? I mean, how, how would you grade your performance in that fight? Um, and that, I'm, it's pretty hard to be 
unhappy with it, you know, you get 30-26 on the scorecard. Um, you know, you get a 10-8 in there. You, you almost finish the fight on a couple different occasions and you come out unscathed. It's, it's a pretty hard critic to say that I, I didn't do my job, but um, I didn't definitely didn't get to show everything. But I mean, that's not this game. This game doesn't have to be that every single time out. You got to be a, you know, show your entire MMA game. It's, it's nice to keep some cards in my pocket, you know, especially I just look at this fight now, you know, I look at Bork's team from a professional standpoint, they, they go to watch some footage and they, that's, if that's what they're expecting, you know, that it's going to be, again, it's going to be a big different night for them. Um, but that's just the blueprint of something you got to really be worried about when you're fighting me. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that can go 15 minutes of a mall, you know, I can be draping on you for 15 minutes, punching you from every single angle I get in from any second I get. So um, I think that's got to be in the back of his head especially how his other fights have gone with some wrestlers, you know? So there's no doubt that that performance definitely helps play a role in my future performances. And, you know, a little bit of psych, you know, what, what psycholo psychological warfare against my, my other opponent's teams and game planning and everything. It's funny. You we've mentioned styles now. And when you left the UFC, that was the biggest, you know, criticism of a lot of people. Oh, he's a boring style. You know, it's not fun to watch and all that here. Do you, I get fans. Fans are, you know, very like little kids at times. They, they have no idea what they want. They just sort of, you know, shout, scream, and holler and cry sometimes. Media people, probably one step above, but not much. Does it bother you when other fighters vote say that? When you have these analysts who have been in the game and they criticize, oh, this guy's not exciting enough and you do this. And you look and you go. You've been in my situation. You know what's going on. You know there's days when my fights have to be this because they're tactical affairs. What the? I mean, do you ever get pissed with the, with the analysts who seem to be almost preaching to the fans and yet ignoring what you act? What you know? This what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I just it's a lot of un uneducated. You know, I mean, if they've, I, I've kind of outgrown that. You know, I, I would agree. I, I didn't take many risks, especially in my UFC run. I was, I was young. I was 23 or 24, you know, fighting the biggest stage against guys that were, you know, Honey Jason in Brazil, you know, Fortaleza in his hometown and stuff like that. So Alex Volkanovsky in Australia, you know, so, I mean, I was put in these situations that, that are, are not ideal. You know, um, I kind of grew, outgrew that. If you, I think if you go look at my fights, since then you know i've like i said i've i've passed that in my career i don't even i don't even pay attention to those kind of guys that's what we like to call haters you know um my brave fights i, I win by ko in a couple minutes then my my second brave fight against marat mega mega medoff you know i win again another standing knockout you know i fit i avenge my own lot lone loss of pfl with a tko um i i did all everything but finish my last fight so i mean I'm fighting world-class people. If you look at my record, you know, my, the resume, the, the record of my opponents speaks volumes, you know, guys can finish whoever they want, you know, but they're, they're not fighting the right caliber people. You know, I fight guys with extremely good records and, or very, very, very tough veterans, you know, like the Steven Silers and the Matt Bissettes who have over, you know, 30, 40, 50 fights. So to say, you know anything about my game when I'm when I'm decisively winning these fights or finishing these fights? I don't really, uh, yeah, I don't really have much comment on that. How long did it take you get over the bad taste in your mouth with UFC and Volkanovski? Because it's funny, you look back 
And Volkanovsky is now a champion. This is a guy who, you know, beat, you know, you argue about it, but it's on paper, he beat Max Holloway. But this is a guy who has run through everybody at 145 pounds division. And yet, at the time, people went, oh, you know, but he doesn't belong, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever look back and go, I wish people understood, you know, what exactly he was because Volkanovski, when you look back, is probably one of the is probably the best fighter in the world, and you for a while, you know, hung in there with him. He just caught you at a, you know at a bad time during round two. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason. You know, our careers went different ways. Um, I'm happy with my UFC tenure. You know, three and one. Um, since then, I've bounced around, but I've always been paid accordingly. You know, I so I, I mean, I'm not upset by any means i'm right where i want to be bellator is is a fantastic home for me you know i like they're staying busy i'm on showtime on a big network bellator's number one competing with the ufc and some of their divisions are parallel with them you know so i i look at the bellator featherweight division and i'm a competitor myself and i don't have to look far for challenge you know all these guys aj mckee you know pitbull sanchez emmanuel sanchez these, all these guys at the top of the division, it's, it's a great division, you know? So, I mean, I'm happy where I'm at. And since, since Volkanovski, I'm five, five and one, you know, five, one and one. So, I mean, I've, I've moved past that. I, it changed, made me change a lot of my career. I moved out to Vegas, changed teams, went to a big camp, extreme couture, and I fought all over the world and in the biggest organizations, you know, I don't know many fighters that have a win in the UFC in PFL and Bellator. You know, three out of the top four promotions I've got to win in. So, yeah, I'm not too upset with it. If you're just tuning in, once again, ladies and gentlemen, we get Jeremy Kennedy on the show. We're talking all things, of course, his Bellator fight against Adam Borgs. We're talking Volkanovski. We're talking uh, decisions. Let's talk about your stream couture. Uh, that's a big, that's a big, uh, that was a, for you a huge change. You went from being, I could train in Canada. I'm, you know, I'm getting top training. You know, my coaches are focusing on me too. You go to a Shark Tank in Vegas where everybody shows up. You know, there's guys like Tim Johnson, there's Francis Ngannou, oh, there's Randy Couture training people. Why Extreme Couture? And what was it like those first couple of weeks when it's like, it is a Shark Tank. But you get in there and there are people who are good enough. They can kick your ass if you even, you know, let up 5% or 10%. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things that the, the UFC Performance Institute brought me out to Vegas and Extreme Couture kept me here. You know, I'm even after the UFC, I left the UFC and everything like that. I, I, I made Vegas my home, you know, because of the gym, because of my the atmosphere. And it, that's what I needed. It was a confidence booster, you know, being in a, a room with the, that kind of guys and being on the mats with those kind of guys. Uh, UFC talent, Bellator talent, everybody is there and as a rotating room too you know you got constant people always it's a fight capital so you got guys from all over the country coming in and staying for a little bit couple weeks here and there so you're getting different looks all the time and against you know world-class guys so just how i do in the gym just shows and who i'm training with just gives me that much more confidence going into the cage how tough has it been this last year in vegas where it, it's it's at times, it's a ghost town. There's just, people weren't there during COVID. A lot of a lot of places closed. A lot of gyms closed. Uh, I'm guessing there were days you're going, okay, what the hell's going on? I'm going to give you a paycheck. How how much of this past year for you has been about just being mentally tough, 
despite the fact that, you know, the world basically went in a free fall and you're sitting there going, okay, how am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to pay my bills? What the hell's going on? What do we got fighting? Yeah, I mean, I always stayed the course. My biggest thing is I was, no matter what, getting ready for the next one. You know, I didn't, uh, there's a few months there where I didn't necessarily have a home in between PFL and Bellator, but um, I was just staying training, you know, stay, I knew something was going to come up. I knew I'm world-class, world caliber, and I was going to end up in a, in a big organization fighting, you know, tough guys. So I, I didn't just take that time and be, you know, sit on my couch and be like, oh, well, I'm un unemployed now. No, I, uh, yeah, I just, I kept to it and trained all the way through it. Found ways to train when the gyms were closed. And uh, yeah, so we've got the, got the Bellator news and I was, kept it rolling right through. How tough was that at, at times? Though, when it is, you know, it's easy, you know, to train for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, on my own, okay, I'm doing that. And then all of a sudden you get bored. Netflix looks you know, appealing. Hey, takeout's ready. Okay, I can have some beers. And all of a sudden, you're going from 145 to 185. You're like, oh, crap. How the hell I gained 40 pounds? Uh, how did you avoid that? How did you avoid the malaise of just binge-watching, eating, and drinking? It's just my lifestyle. You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a fitness advocate. You know, I, I, I enjoy eating healthy. I enjoy you know, yeah, definitely. I had some beers here and there and, you know, I had some barbecues and whatever. I had my own wedding and I lived life, but I, I, I don't, I never fell off the deep end because that's just not me. You know, that's not my uh, prerogative. If I were to retire tomorrow, I wouldn't be doing that stuff anyways. Um, it's just, I've grown up in MMA. I've been doing it since I was, you know, 12 years old and uh, eating healthy and everything's just a way of life. So it's how I've, raised myself essentially is eating good always training fitness is a, a thing i just do you know and uh a few more rest days i really let my body really heal so i i took away from it and i got to focus a lot on very uh i don't i didn't have the the group training the hard sparring you know i had a lot more technical work you know one-on-ones with guys and, and drilling it just grew that way you're no longer, you know, we had you on years and years ago when you were in the UFC. And as I said, it's for you, it's been basically a roller coaster. Of, you've grown, you know, as, since then, you've went to two different promotions. You've excelled in both PFL and now in, uh, in Brave. You've gotten married. You've moved places here. When you look back, how, how much have you grown from, you know, as I said, the kid who made his debut on UFC Fox 21 2016 to now this very confident man who on April 9th is going to be taking on Adam Borks in the main card of Bell 256 and is considers himself a part of, you know, the, the featherweight title mix. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, exactly that. I, it's been a career long, you know, we've been at this, I've been fighting in the top organizations coming up on five years now. Uh, like you said, it was 2016 when I debuted with the UFC. So, and since then I, I haven't really necessarily took a step back. I mean, there was those two fights in Brave, but again, I was fighting two very up and tough, up and coming ten and one, ten and one guys in you know different crazy parts of the world in Saudi Arabia and Morocco. So I mean, I've been fighting at the at the top of the sport, top of my division, albeit different organizations for five years now, not just grown. You know, I started young, and here I am, twenty eight, not even necessarily hitting my prime. 
and uh, I just feel the best I ever have. You know, I've just, it's been a year after year, I've just gotten better and better at, you know, regimenting my training, my diet and everything. And I just, I never stop. You know, I don't have an on the season, off season. I don't need a flight camp to get back into shape, to get my weight down or whatever. I'm always walking light and I'm, and I'm ready to fight. And we know two, three weeks notice at all times. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, he'll be fighting. It's going to be all the way April 9th, only on Bellator 256. I give you, it is, uh, once again, the pride and joy all the way from now Las Vegas, Nevada. I give you JBC himself. I give you Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, Jeremy, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, website? And who are the sponsors going to be for this fight coming up? Uh, yeah, mostly all my all my uh, content is pretty much on, on, on Instagram, Jeremy Kennedy 145, uh, Twitter at Jeremy Kennedy WC. And yeah, you know, just. Be on the lookout there. I, 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 all my content comes through Instagram, so it's easy to keep up to date with. Jeremy Kennedy, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. Wish it help as he'll be fighting once again. It's a Bell Tour 256, April 9th, only in Mohegan Sun on Showtime World Championship now at Mixed Martial Arts. Check your time and local listings for details. We come back. We got a lot more going on here, only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol. Only on Blue Wire Hustle Network. Welcome back, everyone, to its last call. Last call with the alcohol only on. It is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now, Joe, me on the line. It's been here. Well, we last saw him out. And it was, a uh, once again, a, ph- a phenomenal fight. Knockout win for him. And, well, he continues to impress. We're looking forward to seeing him back in action soon. I give you, once Absolutely. again, the pride and joy of New Jersey itself. I give you, it's Vito Milnicki Jr. Uh, Vito, start off here with, take us back to your last fight, uh, it seems like all of a sudden everything clicked very early in round one. Uh, take me to that knockout punch. When did you realize that you could take him out quickly? Yeah, um, really just first round, especially now that I'm getting into eight rounders, ten um, soon in a few a year, like ten rounders and stuff like that. But now that I have a more more than four or six rounds, now I'm in eight rounders. The first round or two, I could really, um just like figure out my distance, just start setting traps early. Um, start just, you know, just finding, like I said, finding my distance with my jab. And um, really early on, that's what, if you saw, that's what I was doing, using my jab, was just picking my shots um, and just setting up that that right hand. I, I, early on, you you see me start rolling under his jab. I was rolling under it, but I just wasn't firing it. So I basically just lulled him to sleep. Um by not throwing any punches 
after that. And then he obviously did it again. And I came back with the right hand that was in the second round. And then, uh, the third round, um, really just, I heard him, I heard him with another big right hand and then I just poured it on him from there. Like I'm looking at that first round uh, knockdown again, and it just, it's so beautiful. It's almost like, you know, you can't do any more perfect if you if you were teaching that literally on you know, you know sparring session. Where as you said, yep. it's the bob and weave. You come under a jab, you literally hit him, per, you know, flush right on the j- jaw. Yeah. How much do you do you take pride in that? It's all the small stuff that set it up. You know, it's you know pushing him back, setting up a jab. You know, the body movement, the head movement, everything just basically was almost like it felt natural. It looks like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is natural to me because I've been doing this since I'm seven. So, I mean, stuff like that is just a lot of people are going to start to see more of that from me just because I'm going to start fighting opponents that are going to make me use those kind of uh, moves that we, yeah, like you would say, like a move, like those kind of uh, just showing all my ability is eventually going to start to come out eventually once I, like, obviously I'm stepping up my opponents and um, really just, that's just repetition in the gym every day, just on the bob and weave bag, on the slip bag, the pads, sparring, just everything. So since I was seven years old, I mean, just working on moves like that each and every day in the gym. And now it's starting to come out on a uh, big channel uh, Fox. So just I'm blessed for the opportunity that's been given to me by Al Heyman and PBC. And uh, I can't wait to get back in the ring soon. When do you hope to get back in the ring? And I know it's, it's getting tough because, you know, everybody's still trying to figure out, you know, COVID, what's going on, you know, when can we have fans, what's happening here? What yeah. have you and your team – I mean, from what the management and your team have said, like when is, I guess, the, the next date you plan to have a fight? Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, moved very well during the pandemic, which, like I said, I'm blessed to be without him and the best in the game. He's – He's moving me great. He's put me on the biggest platforms possible, big viewing platforms. I had almost a million people watch me in my last fight. And um, just I'm really I'm going to be back in the uh, ring very soon. So I'll be announcing it soon on all my social media platforms. And, um, yeah, I can't wait. I've been training. I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. And me and my team, we're ready to go. I won't touch about the team here because it- – if for those who tuned in, as you said, you're you're moving back to New Jersey. You there's no drama. There's nothing that happened. Happen. There wasn't a bad break between you and and and, and you know Joel Goose. And it was just as you said, yeah. you need to go back home. How tough was that? You know, explaining that to him because he recruited you. He was the one who came. I said, I want to work with you. And as, as we know, we know Joel Goose. He's worked with Diego Corrales. Uh, he's worked with River. You know, Barreras brothers. He's worked yep. with. Chris Ariola, he has worked with champions. So how tough was that for you, you know, having that conversation with him going, it's not you, it's it's me. I just, I need to go back home. I, I need to be with the family right now, especially in COVID where everything's still on lockdown and I really can't fly, you know, back and forth to LA and, you know, Jersey with, like we used to do, you know, two years ago. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, really, Joe understood just because Joe is also a family guy. He's... Obviously, he's had the feeling of having to go to like a big bear training camp and leaving his family for uh, months at a time. So for me, I'm 18 years old. I have a 10 year old brother who's growing up. Uh, my obviously my mom, my sisters, my dad, who was with me every day in the gym growing up, 
And from that, for that not being around me, like coming home from the gym, seeing my mom, my sisters, my brother every day, it, um, it's something I, that like, I, I'm very family oriented. So for me, I like coming home from the gym and seeing them and just, cause that's what I do it for. I do it for them. Um, just tell my mom, my dad and mom, my, you guys don't have to work again. It's something that it, it doesn't, it, it just has, that's what's on my mind when like, that's what I want to be able to do when I get, uh, once all this is done, be able to tell my mom and dad that. So, I mean, for me to see them every day, they're my motivation and that's what keeps me going. Is there a frustration for you that this had to happen that, you know, as I said, you want to be with family. And if I said, if this was two years ago, it'd be all right. You don't want to fly out to a two month camp, three month camp. That's fine. We, we work with, you know, you work with Joel and that's, and you can fly back. How much is there a frustration that because of COVID you can't do that? It's like, all right, yeah, I can fly you out, but I got to stay longer because it's going to be, you know, quarantine, you know, you can't come out because, you know, certain States are in red, certain States you now are locked down. Yeah. How much of this do you look, look and go, man, you know, this time really sucks because of everything. Yeah. I mean, I get, I guess it, yeah, it sucks, but it's just, you got to keep, you got to keep it rolling. You got to, you can't let that stuff, uh, you know, sit on your mind and weigh, weigh you down. You just got to keep it rolling, keep working. I'm back with my trainer, Muhammad, and um, he's been, he's done a great job with me. I, like even you could tell him my last fight, my, the instructions, that he gave me in the corner where I'm point. Um, just, he's the man. He's me and him have been together for a while. We have a connection that we've built and a bond that we've built that, um, you know, it's going to, it's going to be great. So it's always been great and it's going to continue to be great. So, I mean, it sucks what happened, but you got to just keep it moving and uh, keep stacking those W's on the record. How much has this tough been year to tough just in general for you as Vito? Just forget about the fighter. As, as just a kid, because let's face it, you are still, and I hate using that word kid because everybody hates, but you know, you're an 18 year old kid, yeah. man. I'm guessing for you, it's been much tougher because all these, all the small stuff we take for granted, you know, going out to breakfast, going to movies, hanging out with friends and, you know, wherever park or theater or whatever you want to do, that got shut down quickly. Uh, you know, certain gyms you couldn't go to because, as I said, state locked them down. I mean, for you, how tough is the level last? year been for you in which you had to grow up and it was kind of it sucks and it stinks but as you said this is now the new world yeah I mean obviously like you said it's this is the new normal so I mean you just gotta it sucks it sucks because I mean I was I just graduated high school um you got obviously you got graduation and stuff like that you couldn't have my parents at the graduation and all that but um, really, just like you said, the gyms being closed, not being able to go and have a normal breakfast everywhere you go, having to wear the mask, um, it's di different. But I guess we just gotta adjust as a, you know, as as a world and as um, just come together as one and just get try to get past this. What got you into boxing in the first place? That's always a question I ask everybody. Like, what is it about this sport that you're still doing? It doesn't pay well in the beginning. And you go through a lot. You put your body through literal hell in terms of weight cuts, weight training, you know, constant working out. Like, what is it about the sport that you fell in love with in the beginning? Really just for me, I'm, I've always been like a real physical kid. And um, like I used to, fo football was my first sport that I really, like I loved. And I was, I was always great at it, uh, running back, safety, 
and I really could play any position on the field if you uh, like I'm a real I'm an athlete so like um just sports in general I just love like my free time I like to play basketball like that's something that like like that's something that I do after my fights I just love playing basketball after all my fights um but really for boxing it was really because it was a one-on-one physical sport like it's either you or me it's either you or me and it's who's working harder who's dedicating themselves to it more and um who's mentally stronger physically stronger uh smarter and for that that's what really brought my love to the game just how physical the game was and just it's you and another person and that's really what made me love the game how much have you had to sacrifice along the way because as I said, with every fighter, I'm always amazed what you get to give up. And for some of us, it's just, as I said, we think it's you know, well, it's easy. I can go in the gym. I you know, I work out a bit here. Along to get to this point, to be able to now fight on national TV, be undefeated as a pro. What are some of the things you had to give up along the way to get to this point? Yeah, um, I started when I was seven years old. Like I said, um, a lot of family time that family parties just family events stuff like that just a lot of sacrifices but I mean for me I don't really even consider them sacrifices because I'm doing what I love so it's almost like how could it be a sacrifice if you're also doing what you love and um just a lot of time growing up not being able to go out with your friends just things like that but I mean I don't really none of that like I said that means a lot to me because this means more to me than like everything it's like besides my family comes first but then this is right after that if you're just tuning in ladies and gentlemen once again we are we're proud to have on the show Vito Milnaki Jr. as we're talking all things of course his training as he's getting ready for his next upcoming fight here a lot of big things going on to young man who helps with in terms of and, and you have a trainer you have Al Heyman you have all these people who help the business the training yeah but there's a lot of things that you know you still everybody needs to learn. And, you know, as an older guy, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I should, I should do this, this, and this, and this. You're still a young man. So there's a lot of people who probably try to get to the inner circle in terms of, hey, you know, we want to get you know, part of the party. We want to be part of, you know, the action. We want ringside. Yeah. We have an investment. Hey, can you loan me some money? Are there yeah. any other fighters that you sort of, you know, I guess look up to where you've been, you know, talked to in terms of help, helping with this celebrity? Because – at 18 years old now, you're making good money. You're a celebrity mm-hmm. on TV. You're fighting professionally. The vultures are coming out. So who helps in terms of yeah. sort of like giving you advice of, all right, this is the pitfalls you got to avoid. This is get to watch what to do. Like who helps in terms of, you know, paving the way so you don't make the mistakes that other, you know, young athletes have made? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to bring up two names that they're one of the best. They were the best, one of the best to ever do it. Floyd Mayweather and Canelo Alvarez, they always, if you always saw Floyd always had an entourage, but he always had a, that small circle that's never left. They've been there for, since day one. And um, keep me your circle small. Canelo Alvarez, the same thing. He's been with the same, the same group of guys, the same circle since the start. So, I mean, really having those inner circle guys, having that strong uh, circle, small circle as well, that's important. Like you said, um, I mean, and just looking at guys like that and seeing what they do and obviously implementing it into what I do uh, every day, that's that's important. Like who, like have you said, have you sparred any world champions? Like when you've gone out, maybe 
when you were in LA with Goosen, was there anybody that you could pick the brain, like when you were sparring with like, yeah, an aerial or something like that? Was there any fighters that you'd gotten to talk to and say, look, how would you do this? What do you think? And, you know, or have this has always been just for you look, looking far ahead and going, all right, this is what these guys did. I'm going to implement that in my style. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I grew up with Shakur Stevenson. I grew up with Tank Davis. Uh, I sparred, I've been in the, I sparred with Julian Williams. Um, I was in the gym with Sergey Lipinets, Chris Ariola. So being around guys like that and just seeing like guys like Shakur and Tank, they came from nothing and see what they have now. And um, just really, for me, I, I money really doesn't mean, like, it don't mean anything to me. Like, I do this because I love it. Like, I do it because, like, I want to win a world title. I'm going to win multiple world titles. Like, that's what I do it for. Money doesn't motivate me. Uh, it's really just the love for the game and how passionate I am for it. And, I mean, obviously, like you said, the vultures are going to come out once all this is said and done and as I'm coming up. And uh, really just that's why I have my family, my my dad, my mom, uh, my brothers, sisters, uh, my just my close family. They uh, my dad and mom, they tell me like they keep me always like alert of what's going on. Like, obviously, I know what's going on, but just always keep me alert. Like, oh, you're going to have a lot of people just trying to, you know, come into your life now because of what's going on. But uh, having them uh, like just always keep me educated on stuff like that and just keep my mind like, Oh, like keep it, keep it, stay alert, stay alert. That's important uh, for me as well. Now I'm glad you brought Blippinets because I know you guys, I guess, trained a couple of times or work or even sparred with each other when you were working with Goose and well, lovable fellow. He doesn't speak much English. So when you're sparring with guys like that, you're trying to commit, you know, communicate, is there anything you can really say, or does he understand what you're saying? You or do you speak any Russian or is this baseball, you know, do you guys help? Like teach each other phrases. You can understand. Well, okay, you look. Sergey's cool. Sergey's uh, yeah, he's cool as hell, Sergey. But um, yeah, he's he's the man. He's he's a hard worker. Like I said, he's he just loves to fight as well. Like he just loves it. He loves the game. So I mean, really, just seeing uh, he's an ex world champ, former world champ. Seeing how he works in the gym and implementing what he does and some of the actions he he uh, does in the gym or outside the gym, uh, just bringing that into what I do as well, taking little things that he does and just putting into my whatever I do. Um, really just for me, being around, guy, being around guys that are great or, and uh, on the verge of being great is what you need around. You don't need anyone that's really not looking to, looking to be anything around you because that will only bring you down. You know what I mean? So being around guys that are great and uh, striving for greatness is what you need and like around you. But was it ever tough, like, you know, talking to him? Cause as I said, we've had him on the show and you know, his English doesn't have much English cause you know, he lives in Russia. So yeah. you guys tried to it's actually gotten better. It got better though. Guy, I don't know when he was on, but it got like, he understands a lot more and uh, he talks a lot more English now, but obviously right. it's broken English, but yeah, it's, it got better. It got better. So, because in the beginning, that must have been, you know, just, you know, you trying to, you know, communicate with him and, you, and him communicating with you, it's like, okay, it is, it's broken English, but still, you know, the idioms, a lot of them don't get, so it's like, oh, wait, what's going on? How's it hanging? He's going, this is a crazy person talking here. So, uh, how much that, how much did that help you sort of, you know, learn how to um, communicate with people who English is still a second language? Yeah, I mean, definitely just 
sometimes his words will be out of sense, like they'll be out of spot in a sentence or something. You got to put them in, like, you know what I mean? Just, I mean, stuff, obviously being around someone like that. And uh, he had a few of his friends from Russia there as well. Um, but he actually spoke the best English out of all of them. But, um, yeah, it definitely helped with, like you said, having a guy that has broken English and having to understand them and stuff like that. Last question for let you go. As you said, it's you're now back at home. You have a creature comforts. You everything is now back in place to what it was. Yep. What do you want to work on for the next fight? Because I know you know. As you said, this last fight, everything started being more coming together offensively. Where you're bobbing and weaving, you're setting up. You know, using the jab to set up the overhand right. What do you want to work on for this next fight coming up in terms of improvement? What things are you working on to make you a better fighter? Yeah, it's really a lot of the small stuff, really just hand placement, leg placement, foot placement, um, just using my jab. My jab is like a right hand in terms of uh, power and just like it's my, I'm heavy handed in both hands, but my jab is very strong, snaps guys' heads back like it's a right hand. So really just using my jab to control the fight alone and uh, obviously firing my, my right hand right off it um, could end the night. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we are proud to have on the show. I give you one of the rising stars in boxing. I give you it is uh, Roseland's own. I give you Vito Milnecki Jr. Vito, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the, the Twitter page, the Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Yep. Um, follow me on Instagram at Vito Milnecki. Follow me on Twitter at Vito Milnecki Jr. I'll be dropping my fight date on there soon. Stay tuned. Um, and a lot of big things coming. So. I appreciate everyone's love and support. And uh, like I said, we've got a lot of good stuff coming. Vito Milnicki Jr., ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. We come back, though. We have final thoughts only on Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Welcome back, everyone, to It's Last Call. Last Call with the alcohol only on the Blue Wire Hustle Network. And I want to thank my wonderful guests. We had earlier in the show Jeremy Kennedy. He'll be fighting once again. And Bellator 257. Looking forward to seeing him in action here. Plus, Vito Milnicki, a kid who a lot of people are very high on. Always enjoy having some of the young stars out here on the show. And looking forward to seeing him in action very soon. I want to take your attention to some of the fights that happened this weekend. And we'll 
we're going to go to especially with the zone fights. Uh, let's face it. Lawrence Akali is a star to making. This is a guy who went out there, took on Christoph Lewaki, who I, you know, I said before, this was going to be a good fight. I thought it was going to be competitive. I was wrong. Akali is the real deal. He came in there and just uh, one punch quitter against Akali. You know, huge uppercut just literally drops him. And when you see that, and when you see the size of a technique, Akali basically kept him at bay for most of the fight. You know, Glockney was ever, never able to really get inside, never really to throw power shots. And it finally caught up to him in the sixth round. We saw literally just Glockney, you know, bent forward, you know, there's the uppercut out. You know, basically, you know, he's on his back. He's done. If you're already hearing, you're excited. I mean, just the possibilities of cruiserweight for a collie are, uh, you know, they, you can be tickled pink. You want a domestic fight? Fine. Make the Martin Bradis fight. That is a fight which is unification. Uh, the, you know, Latvian versus, versus one of the Brits. It's a fight which has two titles on the line. I'm excited to see that fight. If you want to go a little more American, you could possibly make a fight with uh, your Ticos Donicos, who's a huge, big puncher who is with Warriors Boxing, and now Heyman. That's a fight which also can be made. If you just want to have some fun fights, you have it in, uh, ta in uh, Tommaso Mabichu. You have guys hanging around who are, you know, like... Ilunga Makabu, the WBC champion. You even have, if you want to go just straight up, just fun. Marat Garcia, he is around still. I know he's been talking about but he hasn't done it yet. Either way, Okoli is a guy that Hearn can now look at and go, I can make money off this kid. And eventually, you put some weight on him because he's still very thin. He could be a force at heavyweight. He's long, he has power, he... Knows how to box. He could be a problem for a lot of guys at heavyweight, especially with his age. The other big fight was, of course, Verhelius Ortiz against Maurice Hooker. Uh, Ortiz is in a different place. And look, I like him. I think he is going to be a special fighter. But his problem is very simple. He, You really don't know what you can do next with him. De La Hoya is basically said he does not enjoy dealing with Al Heyman. And if you're Al Heyman, you're going to look at Ortiz and go, okay, well, I want options. I want co-promote. That's not going to fly. So that eliminates probably every Heyman fighter there is, whether it's Mike Garcia, whether it's Sean Porter, even guys like Jamal James or, or Udanis Ugas, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, they're just off the hooks. So where does he go? Possible fight with Terrence Crawford, but man, you're jumping up a lot of a uh, couple a couple of, of skill wise positions. And Crawford's even said, "Yeah, I'm not really interested in that fight. I really don't care. And he's he hasn't he hasn't earned it yet." Edjivis Cavalos, this is a good fight, but once again, it doesn't really raise the bar. It's a top ranked fight that's always caused some problems. You know, maybe a uh, Custio Clayton, maybe. If you have to go even a little more outside the box, maybe Rashidi Ellis. But either way, it's just 
If you're Ortiz, you might have to start looking around trying to figure out how do I get on my contract? How do I sign with Al Heyman to PBC? Because right now, if you're a welterweight and you're now with the PBC, your options are incredibly limited. Almost none. And so, as I said, with Ortiz, I'm not worried about how good he's going to be. I think he's very good. I just, it's not like Okali who has the power behind him. It's not like he doesn't have an Eddie Hearn who has all this money in TV dates. Right now, Ortiz sort of in no man's land because without Canelo Alvarez, De La Hoya doesn't have the zone here. Without Canelo Alvarez, De La Hoya can't really entice people. Without Canelo Alvarez, De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions is a maybe second, even third tier promotion. And you got to start worrying about if you're a lot of these guys with Golden Boy and you want to get ahead, it's time for me to leave. Uh, I'll get back to that though later on next couple weeks. But we can wrap this up. So once again, for my wonderful guest, we had, of course, it was Vito Milnicki for James Kennedy. This is uh, Chris Carr saying, I'm out of here. Stay tuned for more great action, though, only on its last call. Last call without the alcohol, only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. <laughs>